the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Amen. Good morning. It's lovely to see you this morning. Um, Over the last few weeks, we have been introducing some of the key themes of the Old Testament, thinking about seven key sentences. Uh, And our sentence today is, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a poetic sentence. It's a sentence that helps us understand something deep and profound about who we are and who God is. Now, God isn't literally my shepherd, I am not literally a sheep. It's picture language. Uh, Chris Wright, in, in his book, The Old Testament in Seven Sentences, says this. David could have written many words about how God cared for him, guided him, protected him in trouble, and provided for his needs. Instead, he looked at the sheep he was guarding, and he said just two words in Hebrew. The Lord is my shepherd. The Psalms, all of the Psalms, are poetic truth that fire our imagination. And I'm not going to concentrate just on Psalm 23 this morning. Uh, In a few weeks before Christmas, we're going to have a series looking at individual Psalms. So if you want to hear sermons about individual Psalms, come back for our pre-Christmas series. But I think my job this morning is to help us understand Psalms as a whole, the what, the when, the where, the why, the who. Um, But I also want us to think about the how. How do we, as 21st century Christians, experience the Psalms? What are we to do with them? Knowing the facts about the Psalms is one thing, and an important thing. But living the Psalms is a whole other thing, and we've already started to do that. We've sung some words from the Psalms this morning. Clive has used the Psalms to lead our prayers, but we're going to be thinking a little more about how we all can use the Psalms. So firstly, the what. Uh, They are 150 poems set to music. They originally would have been sung by ordinary people and also some of them sung just by religious leaders. There are 150 songs. Now, we don't have the music. You can go on to YouTube and you can find some people who've tried to replicate what the music would have sounded like thousands of years ago. But I think we do have the concept that music is really powerful in helping us fix words in our mind. And I'm going to test that theory right now. So I would like you to tell me what the next word is in this song. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Very good. Very, very good. Um, Shall we listen to it? Touching me, touching you. 
version was better than Neil's. <laughs> Definitely better. I sometimes wish the England football teams had, had chosen another song, uh, other words that are embedded in our consciousness. Um, so the Psalms were originally music. They helped people understand truths about God. Uh, the other thing about the Psalms is that they are in the middle of our Bibles. Someone a long time ago told me that if you want to find the Psalms, you go to your Bible and you go to the middle and it's the Psalms. Okay, what I found out was it's actually just left of centre, which isn't a political party. It's just, so just left, but basically you go to the middle of any Bible, any Bible, and you will find the Psalms. So that's where you find them. They're relatively easy to find because they're such a big book. Um, but they're actually made up of five different books. So book one, Psalm 1 to 42, comprises many personal laments. And most have the heading, Psalms of David. We'll come to David in a minute. And they use the name for God, Yahweh, which is translated as the Lord in the Psalms. And I am, and that's the closest we get in the Old Testament to God's personal name. Books 2 and 3, Psalms 42 to 72 and 73 to 89, mainly use Elohim as the name for God, which means supreme, almighty one. Books four and five, so 90 to 106, then 107 to 150, are mainly psalms of praise. They were originally the songs of the ancient nation of Israel. They were written in Hebrew first, then later translated to Greek around the 3rd century BCE, then into Latin, then into English, and into many, many other languages. The thing about Hebrew poetry is that it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't have to rhyme. I think that's God's provision for the world, so that whatever your native language is, whatever your original language is, if the Bible is translated into your original language, they will still be poetry for you. They were first collected and shaped in the time of exile when the people of God were removed from their land and taken to Babylon in the 6th century BCE. And this was the lowest point in the history of God's people. Because they didn't follow God's good ways, God had abandoned the temple and they were forcibly removed to another land, another crisis another culture. And this was a huge crisis moment in their history. Tom Wright says in his book, Finding God in the Psalms, which I would really, really recommend to you, singing those psalms and writing some new ones was one of the few things that kept them sane and gave them hope. If you need some sanity, if you need a reality check about who you are and who God is, and if you need hope in a very hopeless world, then read the Psalms. Even though scholars think that they were collected at the earliest, at the time of exile, the Psalms talk a lot about King David, who was alive about 500 years before then, about 1000 BCE. And many of the Psalms are called of David. And that means they're either about him, his life, or perhaps even written by him, like Psalm 23. 
King David was a huge figure in the history of ancient Israel, the best king they had, though not perfect. He was the king who was on the throne of ancient Israel at the start of the heydays of that country, when it was at its most peaceful and most prosperous. So it was natural that in a time when they were removed from their land, in a time of weakness and suffering, when they couldn't take part in their religious practices, worship and prayer and sacrifice, when they were reaping the consequences of not keeping their side of their covenant, their promises with God, at those times they wanted to remember King David. But not all of the Psalms are by King David or of David. And they were added to as the people returned to their homeland and they restarted their religious practices and festivals and temple worship and pilgrimage. Psalms 121 to 134 are pilgrim psalms. They're songs to be sung as the people were walking towards Jerusalem on the uphill road. So the book of Psalms is a mixture of times and histories and human experiences. And if we read an individual psalm, we don't get the whole picture of who God is. But if we read the whole of the Psalms, then we learn so much about who God is. And they contain the whole range of human experiences. From deep lament to ecstatic ecstatic praise from wonder at who God is and what he has made Tom Wright again says this the celebration in the Psalms is wild and uninhibited the misery deep and horrible Psalm 33 and Psalm 88 are deep miserable laments they're sad songs How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's Psalm 13. Psalm 88. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Psalms often build one line onto the other. It's part of the poetry And there isn't always a positive ending. Some end with expressions of hope. Psalm 13 ends, I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. But some of them don't. Psalm 88 ends, the darkness is my closest friend. Sometimes lament is the only response. Now I thought long and hard about how to relate the Psalms, because they speak so much about Jerusalem and Israel, how to relate the Psalms to what's going on in Israel and Gaza at the moment. Jerusalem is talked about so much in the Psalms. Yes, Jerusalem, ancient Jerusalem, thousands of years ago, but nevertheless, that real place, Jerusalem and Israel, where currently there is just, so much terrible suffering and it's good we pray for those things because often we're at a loss aren't we I know I'm just at a loss to add any wisdom into that situation 
And we will continue to pray for Gaza and Israel. But Psalm 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I think we need to lament, we need to pray for that whole land, Israel and Gaza, wherever possible. And we need to be peacemakers, just like Clive prayed earlier, in misery deep and horrible. But in the Psalms, we also see the other end of the human experience. The celebration is wild and uninhibited. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy, Psalm 33 says. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. Many Psalms speak wonderfully of God's creation. Go to Psalm 104 if you really love nature and you want to to learn more about God and God's relationship with his creation. Some Psalms speak of a loving, tender, personal God who will hide me in the shadow of his wings, Psalm 17, verse 8, and not abandon me to the grave, Psalm 16, verse 10. Others speak harshly of a God who will take back rule over his earth. Psalm 110, he will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead and crushing rulers of the whole earth. Now these types of psalms can be difficult for us to read. They can be difficult for us to understand. And I think firstly, we need to remember the context in which they were written in many thousands of years ago. And secondly, most importantly, I think we need to remember who the Psalms are looking forward to, who the Psalms are really about. I mean, yes, they're about God. Yes, they're about his people, ancient Israel. Yes, they're about creation, the world and everything. But they are also about a king of kings. It takes a king to crush other kings. So who is this king of glory? Who in the ancient language of the Psalms will crush other kings? Clive read about it in the beginning of our service, Psalm 34, the king of glory. So what we need to do is fast forward from the time of exile and the time that the people of God went back to Jerusalem to the time of Jesus. These songs were still used at the time of Jesus. They were the hymn book of the Jewish people. Jesus and his followers would have known the Psalms. They would have sung the Psalms. They would have listened to the Psalms. They would have sung them on their way to their festivals in the temple. And Jesus would have seen himself in the Psalms. Professor Susan Gillingham, a Hebrew scholar in Oxford University, says this about how Christians receive the Psalms. Over one-third of the 360 Old Testament quotations in the New Testament come from the Psalms. Over one-third. No longer is David the most important figure. The Psalms may all be understood as by David, but they are about Jesus Christ. And so illustrate how the Old Testament is now fulfilled in his life and death. 
Jesus didn't just sing the Psalms or quote the Psalms, though he did do that. The Psalms are about him, his creation, his people, his life, his judgment, his sacrifice. The king who will judge the nations is not a violent tyrant, but a man of justice whose route to justice wasn't through military power, but by hanging on a cross, saving us from our sins, being our sacrifice. So what did he say when he had no strength left on that cross, when all seemed lost? He quoted from a psalm. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew the psalms. He sang them, he read them, he quoted them, but he lived them to a level that no human being has done before or since. He was forsaken for a while for us. But God did not abandon him to the grave. We read that in Psalm 16. And that's why in Jesus, we can be sure that we will not be abandoned. He will judge the nations. But Psalm 72 says he judges with righteousness and justice. And I think that is something to keep us sane and give us hope. But what are we to do with them? How are we to experience the Psalms? I have to say, I don't think I could imagine my life without the Psalms. I imagine a Bible without them. It would be a much darker, colder thing. I think we would know so much less about God about the Lord's tenderness and compassion for us, about creation, about the Lord's anger at injustice and desire for human flourishing. For me, they're essential to my Christian life and experience. In every crisis of my life, a psalm has been with me. I didn't realize that until this week when I thought about this talk. In every crisis of my life, a psalm has been with me. In times where I felt most close to God, it's a psalm that has most often been the catalyst. When I've been distant from God, when I've wanted to be distant from God, it's often the truth in the psalms that win me back. And then there's the times when I've experienced the goodness of God while being in his creation. If I am on my own in God's creation, I will sing Psalm 25. Go and look it up and see if you recognize the chorus that is from Psalm 25. I want to play you a modern interpretation of Psalm 40.
That's U2, 40. It's actually 40 years old. Was it 40 years old? We decided it was this morning. 40 years old, that song. I'm going to be 100% honest and truthful with you when I say to you that that song is not just about David. That song is about me. I am represented in that song. And I know there are others here who will feel the same way. And I know it with a depth that is hard to express. I'm represented in those words. How do words passed down from an oral tradition and then written down on a scroll two and a half thousand years ago resonate so strongly that I feel that I, they are me? But they are. The Lord lifted me out of the mire and the mud. He put a new song in my mouth. Now, not all the words that come out of my mouth are good and perfect, but I know I have a better song than I would have had if I hadn't met Jesus. Without Jesus, my song would be brittle and bitter. With Jesus, I have a new song, a song of praise to my God, a song of love and truth and protection. Now, your reading of the Psalms will inevitably take a different form than my reading. They may shape you differently than they have shaped me. But let them shape you. Really, let them shape you. Read a psalm every day and see how it changes you. You know, I love a bit of Neil Diamond and lots of different kinds of music. But I need the music of the psalms, just like Jesus did, to change me and to keep changing me. But one more thing. One more thing. I don't know if you saw this this week, all bar myself. Is this Britain's loneliest sheep? This was on the BBC News website uh, yesterday, I think, or or the day before. A sheep spotted at the foot of steep cliffs on the shores of a Scottish firth has been dubbed Britain's loneliest sheep. Jill Turner from Brora said she came across the ewe while kayaking along the Moray Firth's East Highland coast. National newspapers have since picked up the story. I mean, why? <laughs> but leading to the ewe being nicknamed British Loneliest Sheep. But don't worry, don't worry. Animal welfare charity, the Scottish SPCA, said it was aware the sheep was stuck, but added that it had plenty of available food. Why why is this newsworthy? I mean, why is it newsworthy? Is it because sheep aren't meant to be alone? Is that the reason? Alone sheep is a newsworthy thing. It had food, but it did not have the company of other sheep. Sheep are meant to be together with other sheep. Followers of Shepherd Jesus are meant to live the Christian life together. And we're meant to sing the psalms together. They're not just about personal devotion. Originally, they were a community activity. So we need to read them and sing them together. Now, in a moment, we will be eating bread and drinking wine to remember 
Christ's sacrifice for us, to remember the shepherd king who gave his life for us. And then after that, we are going to sing Psalm 23 together. The people of God are meant to sing psalms together, both in wild, uninhibited joy and terrible misery. So I don't know where you find yourself between wild, uninhibited joy and terrible misery this morning. But can you lend your voice to help us sing Psalm 23 later? And if your misery is just too great, you may not even be here, you may be online. If your misery is just too great, will you let God's people with our voices carry you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd?